Well, hey, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, church family. Good morning. Awesome. Well, as I mentioned to you a moment ago, my name is Joe Polino, and I have the joy of getting to serve as lead pastor. Uh, it is uh, just good to be with you in the presence of God this morning. And if you're new with us, just want to welcome you to church. I uh, hope you got to meet uh, someone around you and maybe uh, get a suggestion on a cold beverage in our triple digit heat. Um, but it's just a joy to be a part of this church. What I've said uh, earlier, but I'll say it again, is that today is Vision Sunday. Vision Sunday. What is Vision Sunday? Well, Vision Sunday, we do it two times a year, one at the beginning of the year, and then one at the midpoint. And Vision Sunday is helping us get vision on, hey, where have we been as a church? And then where are we going? Where are we headed? Um, And uh, even if you're new to the church, say, hey, this is my first day here, I believe God has something that he wants to encourage you with and speak to every single person here this morning. So just want to encourage us to lean in uh, to Vision Sunday, because when we talk about vision, uh, vision is one of those words that I think we can use if you've been in church for a while. Uh, You might hear it quite a bit, maybe like the word seasons. You know, if you're hearing that a lot in church culture of like, I'm going through this season or that season, or uh, my wife and I were getting to know some of our kids' teachers this past week, and one of the teachers dropped the word fellowship in the midst of our conversation. I was like, oh, you're one of us. (laughs) You're one of us. That's right. Yes, I feel good now because you used the word fellowship because only other Christians seem to use the word fellowship. Um, So vision is one of those words But really, uh, what I want us to lean into, when I talk about vision, what we're really meaning is trying to answer the question of what is my core purpose in life and am I living that out? So when we talk about vision, it's not just getting a sense of context for your life. It's like, do I understand the core purpose of my life and am I living that out? Am I on trajectory or not? When we want to live with clear vision as individuals, but we also want to do that communally as a church. Amen? And I, and I was thinking this week, um, I was uh, hiking. I call it hiking. We were walking in Richardson. So we were hiking as a family. Uh, I have a picture uh, of us uh, down by the creek, hiking the hills of Richardson, which do not exist. Uh, but it, it, it'll come up here on the screen in a second. And um, You know, just imagine with me if this picture is not uh, in flat Texas, but somewhere in Colorado or somewhere in New Mexico. And we're taking uh, our family on a hike. Uh, Don't you think it's important that my wife who's in the front and me who's in the back have some sort of plan to navigate where we're going? Yeah. And if we run out of our smartphone reception or or we don't know how to use a compass or we don't have a map, then we can be in big trouble, right? And, uh, you know, in some ways it's similar for our lives is that we could be journeying through life, just taking the trail in front of us, doing the best we can, uh, and just going from one tree to the next, one day to the next, but we can forget about the big picture of where we are. We can forget the big picture story of, we can lose the, the forest from the trees, so to speak. And so for us, Biblically, God doesn't want that to happen. The most repeated command in scripture 
is what? What do you think the most repeated command in Scripture is? See if we have any bold people. Fear not. That's right. It is fear not. The number one most repeated command in Scripture by God is fear not. Do you know what number two is? A little trickier. I'm just going to give that to you. Number two is to remember. Remember. Fear not and remember. Fear not and remember. Vision Sunday helps us to not fear by remembering who God is. Where he's been faithful in the past is an indication for how he'll be faithful in the future. Amen? So my hope in our short time is for us to get God's vision as we look up to Jesus, look back at where we've been, and look ahead as a church together. Okay? So that's what we're going to do in our time. We're going to look up to Jesus to get vision, to fear not, and to remember. We're going to look back at where we've been as a church, and we're going to look ahead. You guys good to go with me on that? Awesome. Um, And I'm going to look up to Jesus in a way that, uh, I don't know if I've done this before, but this scripture came to mind as I was praying about what to share. It's Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11. And it says this. It says, God has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I believe in this scripture, it gives us a, a, a window into big picture vision of what the purpose of our life is. So let's take it piece by piece. It says in the first portion, God has made everything beautiful in its time. God has made everything beautiful in its time. That's why there are good things that we love and we enjoy in his creation. I mean, think about food and drink and laughing with a friend and seeing a child uh, learning new things. I mean, there's unending things that are beautiful in their time. God has made us to enjoy that. Isn't that amazing? He's a good God. It says that every good and perfect gift comes from our Father of lights above. So he has made us to enjoy things and he's made beauty. But if you keep reading, it's not just about the physical stuff because it says in the next part, God has also set eternity in the human heart. God has also set eternity in the human heart. So at a very young age, we start to ask this question, why? Why? Not just like, how do things work? Or when do I get my food? Or, but like, why? Why do I need to go to bed? Why, why, why are we going it this way? Why are we doing this? And, and, and the question why is because of this Ecclesiastes 3.11. God has put eternity into our hearts. We ask the question, why? Why? And ultimately, when we come of age some earlier than others, but as you're growing up, you begin to ask this question, why am I here on this earth? Like, what is my purpose? And every person, because we have eternity in our hearts, is asking these four questions in some way or another. And it's these four. Who is God? Who am I? What is my purpose? And who is my community to walk with? That's the eternity in our hearts. They're asking, who is God? Who am I? What is my purpose? And who is my tribe or who is my people to walk with? Walk with or talk with. I can't talk right now. But those are questions in our heart. And so just giving context, yes, he's made physical things like food and drink and the cold beverages we just talked about that we enjoy. It's beautiful. 
but he's also put eternity in our hearts to ask this question, God, who are you? Who am I? What's my purpose? And who am I to, to do life with? That's, that's a vision that we need a daily reminder of, a continual reminder of. Who, how do we answer these questions? And yet at the end, it seems to be a discouraging end to this verse because it says in Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says at the end, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. No one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. So we can enjoy the beauty of creation. We can ponder the meaning of life and the beauty and the brokenness and why are we here. But here in Ecclesiastes, it says that no one can come to a satisfactory answer on their own apart from God. No one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. So it sounds like a confusing end to the verse because it would seem like, God, that's, that's a pickle that we aren't able to get out of. So you've made us to enjoy beauty. You've made us to ask this question, why? But we're not able to figure it out on our own. What's the deal? Well, if you keep reading in the scriptures, the reason is, is because God wants us to be not independent of him, but dependent on him for those answers. You know, in college, I, I came to this point where uh, I just was at the end of myself. I thought that I could um, kind of make my own successful life. If you were to ask me, what's your purpose in life? I would say to be successful. They were like, what does that mean? I was like, ask me, you know, tomorrow. I'm not sure, but I want to be successful. And I had this image in my head, but over time in college, that wasn't satisfactory enough. And my own sin, my own brokenness got to me. And I remember being at the end of my wits and just said, God, if you're real, show me. And I remember it was at night, I was walking out of a church service actually, and I just was wrestling with these questions of who is God? Who am I? What's my purpose? And I sent out this prayer into the night sky. I still remember looking up at the stars. It was almost like uh, if you ever were a kid and you had a, a balloon that you accidentally let go into the sky and it just kind of went up into thin air. That's kind of how I felt my prayer was. It's like, I'll never see that balloon again. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if you're up there listening to me, but here's my prayer. If you're real, show me. And it just was like this, throw my hands in the air, like I don't know what to do. But the good news is, is that actually <laughs> I received that balloon back. Not, not really, but he did answer my prayer. He did answer my prayer. And the whole story of the gospel, of the, of the good news of Jesus in scripture is that God pursues us. God pursues us. And so there's many verses I could go to, but ultimately when we look up to Jesus, we see the pursuit of God answering this why question most clearly. When we look to Jesus, we see these questions answered emphatically. And I just want to share one scripture just for the sake of time that really God put on my heart to share with you. It's from Luke 15. It's from Luke 15, verse 3. And this is where Jesus is teaching. And he's trying to describe to them what it's like when someone discovers that God has been chasing them this whole time and they repent and receive his love. This is what it's like in verse 3. It says, then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, 
He joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. And in this little teaching, it goes on to say, I tell you that when there is repentance in heaven over one person, there is a party that goes on in heaven because this is God's heart for us. And I just feel like I just need to, this, this parable in some ways answers those questions of who is God? Who is God? He is, he is in Jesus saying that if you were a shepherd of a sheep and you had a hundred, wouldn't you go and find the one that was lost and leave the 99 behind? As if to say, well, wouldn't you do that? Because that's what God does. God isn't content with the 99 righteous. He pursues the one who's lost. And he doesn't just pursue them once. He goes after them into the open country and he searches until he finds them. And then when he does find them, does he scold it? He puts it on his shoulders. And what's his disposition? Is it disappointment? Is it anger? No, it says that it's joy. With joy, he puts it on his shoulders. He said, let me carry you, son. Let me carry you, daughter. And then he goes home. He goes home. We're made to be home. We're made for eternal life with God. We're made for relationship with him. That's this whole year, make us one. God, would you make us one with you? That is our eternal, that's what eternal life is about. Him coming to make a home in us, individually and as a church. Man, this is who God is. And this is what Jesus came to do. He came to seek and save the lost. And he's still seeking and saving lost sheep. We need to have a clear vision of this, guys that we're made for eternal life with him and that we can't figure out life on our own. That's actually a really good thing. It's a burden lifter for me. I can't fathom what God did, the begin God did to the beginning of the time to the end. Great. No, I don't need to figure that out. <laughs> I, can't, I have other problems to figure out. God says, you need to come to me. And then he says that I've come for you in Jesus. And so in light of that, here's who we are as a people is that because of God's love for us in Jesus, we were made to walk in relationship with him, to become like him, and in community help others find and follow Jesus. That's our vision. That's our purpose as a church. Amen? That's who we're called to be. So just on this look up to Jesus part, I didn't want to just be the only one uh, just going through this. I mean, I was getting emotional just reading that passage because it was just hitting me over and over again, going back to when I was in college and throwing up that prayer and God actually answering it. And it was amazing that as he used different people in my life, what the light bulb went on is that actually he had been pursuing me for a very long time and that I had not seen it. I hadn't seen the grace of God, but I was ready to see it now. And so what I want to do is just take some time for you to go over your story. And if it helps to just close your eyes and remember back when you might have felt where I was at in despair, maybe you're there now and you said, God, if you're real, show me. And just how, what are the ways that God has pursued you in love where he has not given up on you? And maybe it's not just that initial salvation, you know, experience. Maybe it's God, I still need you to show me who you are. I believe, would you show me more of who you are? I just wanna take time to remember that 
And then just right where you are, we're going to take some time just to give thanks. Give thanks. First Thessalonians 5 uh, says, rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to get with one other person and be a little interactive. And we're going to give thanks for how God has pursued us. So turn to one person or two or three people around you. And I want one person to just pray, God, thank you for the way that you've pursued me and for the rest of the people to agree. Okay? So let's go for it. Turn to someone next to you. We're going to get in groups and we're going to pray thanksgiving to God. Okay? Ready, set, go. So God, we thank you for Jesus. God, we thank you for uh, sending your son. God, we thank you for the cross, the ultimate display of your love that you didn't just come and search for us. You actually took our place, that you became the lamb of God. You, the good shepherd, became the lamb of God, sacrificed for our sins. God, you paid the payment. God, thank you for the ways that you pursued each person here individually. God, would you open our eyes, God, to see all the ways that you're still pursuing us, you're still loving us. God, you're still calling us to greater intimacy, greater relationship with you as individuals and as a church. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for doing that. Just picture this almost being like a, like a living room. And so we're... Uh, Maybe it's a little stretching getting to pray that way, but uh, it's good. It's good to come to church and to pray and give thanks. Amen? Okay. So that's looking up to Jesus. I hope you're encouraged. I was really built up just thinking about, God, all the ways that you have come and, and pursued me, and that gives me vision for my life. But as a church, we also want to take time to look back at where we've been. So let's go ahead and do that now. Um, at the beginning of 2023, we did 21 days of prayer and fasting. This is our fourth year in a row to start the year with three weeks of prayer and fasting. And if you haven't done it with us, you might think, wow, that's really, that sounds pretty intense. <laughs> 21 days of praying, of fasting. And when we say fasting, it's not necessarily no food, for 21 days, but we took a week and we encouraged people to pray and to fast a meal or fast from food that week. Then the next week, we fasted from all non-essential media as a church. And then the last week, 
We fasted our sleep in many ways because we as a church uh, collectively said, let's try to pray 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And we just said, let's just see how far we get. So we had different people sign up for an hour prayer slot on our last week of the prayer and fasting. And guys, I don't know if you remember this, but we did it. Like we had 24 hours, seven days a week of consecutive prayer. So that was amazing as we were doing that. But the, the goal of the prayer wasn't just to pray and to fast. We had a specific vision or a purpose in that. And in a word, it was to surrender, to surrender afresh to Jesus, to surrender all of our lives at the beginning of the year. Uh, and the image that we used was of dropping an oar, an oar, because an oar or a paddle rows a boat with your own strength. And it also uh, is what you use to steer a boat with your own wisdom. Uh, and in some ways you can protect your boat from another enemy boat or something if you jab something with an oar. And what that oar uh, represented to us and to the whole Antioch movement uh, was this word uh, was representing our own self-reliance, our self-sufficiency, and that we were actually guiding the ship. We were powering the ship of our lives and the church, and God in his love was coming to us and saying, let me be the captain of the ship. Drop your oars into the water. And so with that imagery, we just said, okay, practically, how do we walk this out? And so we had a 21-day devotional with a different scripture on surrender. And then we prayed this prayer, which is up on the screen every day. Jesus, I surrender, fill in the blank to you today, and I trust in you. Jesus, I surrender, fill in the blank today, and I trust in you. And as we were praying that prayer, we were believing for God to bring up worries, fears, things that we were holding on to that Jesus was saying, would you give that to me? Would you entrust that to me? And uh, Rachel Thatcher on our team, our worship uh, director had this, had this idea, this sentence, but I told Rachel, I said, when you said it, I didn't know I'd be signing up for heart surgery every single day as I was praying this prayer. Cause it's a simple prayer, but there was a lot of things that came in that blank. It was a lot of surrender happening. And then it was really uh, humbling when on day 20, I was still surrendering the same thing I was on day one, just realizing that I am am needy. I really need you, Jesus. But it was such a sweet time for all of us as a church to, to surrender together. And at the end of the 21 days of prayer and fasting, we had a worship service with all of our kids in here. It was rowdy. And we gave each person, every uh, man, woman, and child, a card which, with a picture of an oar on it. On the other side was a piece of paper just for them to surrender. At the end of the fast, what are we surrendering? And at the end, when we had people write down what they were surrendering, we had them come bring it up front and put it in baskets as a way of giving it to the Lord. And then we took those cards as a staff we prayed over them and we said, how can this not be just a three-week thing, but an ongoing thing for our church? And so we, uh, we were thinking, what would it be like if we actually had a giant oar that we could post somewhere? Who can make a giant oar? And everyone kind of thought about Jim Lewis's workshop. Uh, Jim Lewis is not a carpenter by trade, but man, he is really good at craftsmanship. 
And so Jim said, yes, I will make a giant oar. And then we had Mary Beth DeBrat, uh, who's very artistically uh, talented, uh, take all of the cards and she looked at themes and over a hundred cards, she went through them all and she wrote on the oar, all the different things that people surrendered. So if you walk out of our sanctuary today, you, if you uh, walk out of these doors and turn to the left, you'll see on the wall this giant oar as a reminder for us as a church that this isn't just a one-time thing, but we continually want to surrender fears, our future, our finances, loneliness. Like for, for me, it was uh, just... Lord, uh, would you help me to lay down pride, lay down wanting to be a success, all these different things. Lord, I surrender these things to you. So that's where we started the year. And then from there, we, uh, we had this three-year vision that we're going from a church that's a greenhouse to a farm, a greenhouse to a farm. And uh, there's a scripture in Isaiah 37, uh, verse 30, and just to paraphrase it, it's this passage where there are uh, attacks coming on the people of Israel and God speaks to Hezekiah. He says, this is a sign that I'm with you. In the first year, you're going to eat what comes up from the ground. In the second year, what comes up from that. And in the third year, uh, you are going to sow and reap and plant vineyards and eat their fruit. Once more, a remnant of kingdom of Judah will take root below and bear fruit above. For out of Jerusalem will come a remnant and out of, the Mount, out of Mount Zion, a band of survivors, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And so we felt like this scripture was for us. We just renewed a three-year lease on our building and just were in a new chapter and felt like God was giving us a three-year window to look at what it would go like from being a greenhouse to a farm. And I've been here for 10 years as a, uh, just serving on staff. And our, our church has been like a greenhouse where we've seen people come in, encounter God, taste what it's like to be in community. And then whether it's because of life transition or different circumstances have then been planted at different places. And that's awesome. So we said, let's, get, let's own that. Let's be a greenhouse. Let's have people come in and be sent out. But we felt like God was saying for the people who've remained, that there are actually roots going down and God is making us into a farm. And some of the differences between a greenhouse and a farm is that a greenhouse can really happen anywhere. Our, our neighbor has one in their backyard. You can create a greenhouse pretty easily with a structure, but a farm has to do with permanent soil. It has to do with a longstanding inheritance. It's even generational. Like this land is where my father or my father and their families have inherited. And so there's a sense of we are building on top of something that didn't start with us. So that, that, another thing with the farm is that uh, you have to cultivate the soil. Whereas in a greenhouse, uh, you actually never put roots down anywhere. You're always in a pot. And so we want to put roots down here in Dallas, be here for the long haul, for the, for the welfare of the city. And then lastly is that plants do not mature in a greenhouse like they do in the elements. And so we want to be a church that matures with resiliency and joy. And so that's where we're at in three years. And if you were here in February, I think it was probably my, maybe my fourth sermon here. And I just felt bold, boldness from the Holy Spirit to ask for people to pray about committing to our church for three years to help build with us this greenhouse to a farm. And then uh, I was like, this might be my first leadership fail. I don't know, but I'm going for it. And it was so awesome to see the grace of God and y'all uh, praying about it. And many people coming up to me and saying, hey, 
we don't know what God has, but we feel like we're in and we have, you have our yes. We want to commit to build and grow with this church. And so I just want to say again, thank you to those who have said yes. And I want to give another invitation for the next two and a half years. I want to invite you to come and to be a part of what God's building us into a greenhouse, into a farm and to pray about it and to commit. We would love for you to be a part. So that's where we've been, greenhouse to farm. And then lastly, okay, so how do we, where do we go from here? And our theme for the year has been make us one. Make us one. Make us one comes from John 17, where Jesus prayed for his disciples, that those who would believe in his message, so praying for us, that we would be one as he and the Father are one, so that the world would know who Jesus is. And the way we've been doing it is we've been going through Ephesians. So that's where we've been, guys. Uh, And it's been such a rich time. And I just want to take time just to give thanks to God for you, for different people who have stepped up and just said, I want to serve, I want to commit. And there has been such a spirit of unity in our church that I'm just like, that is the Lord. It's the Lord that as I've stepped in as lead pastor and as our staff, man, Donnie, Macy, Danielle, Rachel, Noah, Marshall, uh, my wife, Josh Manning, like as I've stepped in, they've had to work extra hard at what they've been doing and they have just laid down their lives for the church. It has been awesome. There has not been any grumbling or complaining, but it's not just our staff. It's from people in the church who are coming and saying, hey, how can I help? Hey, that graphic you did, I can help you. With, 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 your, with your artistic ability. Can, can I help? And they have. Uh, I need to use them more. Um, but just people offering their gifts, jumping in to serve. And, and you know, just that, that scripture where it says, they will take root below and bear fruit above. Y'all are taking root. And many of you are serving not just in one place, but in multiple. And I just want to say thank you. And I give thanks to you. And one of the things that my wife and I do when we look back and give thanks is we, uh, we recognize the different people who are gifts in our lives. And you guys are gifts to us. Just want to say thank you. Um, so where are we going from here? So this is where we've been. So where are we going from here? As I begin to close, where is God leading us now? Well, it's not new information, y'all. This year, we are going to focus on make us one. This is our theme this year, praying that prayer. God, would you make us one with you? Would you make us one with one another so that the world would know who Jesus is? And the way we're going to do that is on Sundays, we're going to keep going through Ephesians. So we have uh, a few more chapters left in Ephesians. We are going to do a relationship practice that we're calling love one another when we have life groups start back up on September 10th. It'll be six weeks for us to lean into this, make us one with one another. So it'll be about how do we love one another like Jesus so that the world will know who Jesus is because this is really important. So we're gonna do that in life groups beginning on September 10th. And then we're gonna finish out Ephesians. The next uh, few messages on, talks about sexuality. It talks about marriage. It talks about parenting. It talks about spiritual warfare, which you're like, man, those are, Those are some hot topics. I'm just reading Ephesians. I'm just reading the word. And so I'm excited to get to keep doing that as our our pastoral staff and and myself are going to be pouring our hearts into just preaching the word of God faithfully. And we're going to continue to make room for the Holy Spirit to move, that Jesus is in control, that he's the one, that we want to drop our oars to him. So that's what we're going to do this year. 
And I just want to say life groups, they go on break in the summer. Also, Pure Desire, our men's uh, ministry, uh, goes on break during the summer. They're starting back in September. And so I just want to invite you, hey, let's re-up for life groups. Let's re-up for community. Pure Desire actually has an interest meeting tonight. If you're at all interested in going, uh, it helps guys walk free from sexual addiction and unwanted sexual behavior. But it's so much more than that. It's incredible. So if you have any interest at all, tonight at 7 p.m. up at the church, come and check it out. Just encourage you to lean in. Let's be, let's be the church together, okay? So that's Make Us One this year. What about the greenhouse to farm? This three-year vision. Well, where are we headed with that? Our, my biggest prayer this year, and I feel like is, is almost there, has been, Lord, would you just appoint the right people for our overseer team? Because I don't want to, uh, I, I, I want to do this on a team. I want to do this with, with our body. I want to do this with our board. And so we're going to, Lord willing, install the overseer team. And then another huge thing is that we're starting our Antioch Discipleship School in the fall. And so Marshall Herndon has been working hard with uh, a volunteer team to lead that class. So that's going to be launching here soon. So excited for that. And these are things that are foundational. This is about the soil. This is about long-term. And so I'm really excited for that. And then lastly, this surrender to Jesus piece is just the ongoing surrender. So we're not gonna, the vision is not timely on that. It's timeless. We're gonna keep surrendering to him. So that's where we're headed, church. And if you're first time here or you've been coming all year, I just wanna ask you again to pray about, God, where do you have me to be a part of this body? Because again, Jesus is the head and he has given grace to each one of us to be a part of the body. How, is he, how has he uniquely made you to be a part of what he's building in the church? And wanna invite you to be a part of that. So I'm gonna call the band to come on up and we're gonna take time to actually pray about that. I'm gonna give you some time to pray, God, where have you called me to uniquely serve in the body right now? Or if you don't know that, you can just say, hey, where's the need right now? Where can I come and where can I step in and serve? And lastly, just want to show uh, a picture again of my family on this very intense hike in the hills of Richardson. Um, I was actually holding my, uh, uh, our one-year-old beau as I took this picture, who's like a little kettlebell. Uh, so it was a little intense. Um, but as I was doing it, I just thought it was a beautiful picture of unity and that we're moving together. And uh, there were definitely some bumps along the way, and, you know, but, but we were helping each other get there. And I just, again, want to reiterate, we're not made to walk through this life alone. God loves you. He's pursued you, but he doesn't just pursue you for relationship with him. He wants to put you in his body, in the church. And so I just want to invite you to come and be a part. And so with the worship team is going to lead us, I want to invite you to stand. And we're going to have our prayer uh, and prophetic team up here as well. If you need prayer for anything today, I want to encourage you to come to the front. I know Vision Sunday uh, is not a typical hearing the word response time, but I just say again, if you're here and you need prayer for anything in your life, why not? Sometimes it helps us to have someone come and pray with you. And so I'm going to pray and encourage you to respond as the Lord leads. So Father, thank you for your word. God, thank you, um, God, that you've put eternity into our hearts you're the one that 
has put vision inside of us for you and that you have come in Jesus to reveal that to us. So Lord, I pray that you would speak Holy Spirit right now, God, to each individual person what they need to hear. God, would you encourage them? Would you strengthen your church? Lord, as we're going forward from here, we just drop our oars again and we surrender. Jesus, I surrender. I surrender all to you. God, would you come and take over? In Jesus' name, amen.